Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a conversation about the economy as we do on a Friday um, here on the platform. And for today, we're going to be talking about uh, what's going on um, in uh, the, I'm going to call it the manufacturing sector, but more specifically, uh, the automotive industry, because um, when it comes to manufacturing, and the like it's one of those um, big sectors you know in south africa uh, because there's a lot of big plants mm, that are located in the country there is a very big ecosystem in south africa of automotive manufacturing here and a lot of those vehicles are going out into the rest of the world but just as with uh, anything else at the moment um, this issue of supply chain constraints and the like seems to be um, one of those things that's really affecting um, the local sector so to help us to break down uh, what's going on, you know, what's in South Africa's control, what is international, what is local, and uh, maybe just helping us to understand all of the different dynamics. We are joined by David uh, Furlonger from the Financial Mail. He is a financial journalist um, who specializes in uh, South Africa's automotive industry. So, David, greetings to you today. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation. I think a good place for us to start, uh, David, is maybe getting uh, a sense from you uh, before we get into maybe some of the nitty gritties of, as far as you can see right now, uh, where where the automotive sector is uh, concerned, maybe just getting a sense of where are we at the moment and in particular where all of these supply chain issues that we keep um, hearing about, how have they affected uh, the local sector? Look, we're, we're in a very interesting situation at the moment because the, the global industry is, is a little bit chaotic because of the Ukraine war and COVID and all the other issues there. And the South African motor industry is an integral part of the supply chain. Most of our vehicles that we sell in South Africa are imported. Um, we, we have a very strange motor industry here because of policy. We export most of what we build and we import most of what we sell. So any supply chain issues overseas directly affect us here. Having said that, our biggest selling vehicles here are mostly uh, homegrown in in terms of individual brands, individual vehicles. So our biggest selling vehicle is the the Toyota Hilux. But yes, we are directly affected If you talk to dealers, if you talk to the National Association of Motor Manufacturers, they will all tell you that we are short of stock, particularly of imported vehicles. Um, Although our market is actually holding up quite well, it looks as if we could be back to 2019 sales levels this year, which, of course, is is pre-COVID levels. Um, But again, having said that, we don't know because... It it looks like we will, but there are so many issues going on at the moment that it's very difficult to to call what's going to happen with the industry later this year. So, for example, last month with the floods, Toyota has been uh, closed down ever since then. So one of our biggest manufacturers is no longer building. It hopes to get back up and running in in, in the next two or three weeks. Uh, Vehicle components manufacturers were also affected. It's also affected sales down there. So it's had a very sharp, short impact on sales. um, And we don't know uh, how long that impact is going to continue. 
But overall, the industry is looking fairly good at the moment. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all guessing if, we, if we're trying to say where we're going to go next. Now, most certainly, and there's a lot of factors to consider when one is looking at the um, automotive sector, like you said, and very interesting dynamics where we, where what is uh, bought in South Africa is imported versus what is sold has to be is exported from the country. Very interesting uh, market dynamic from that point of view. Um, one of the things I'm quite curious about, and I'm pretty sure it lends itself to everything that's going on. Supply chain constraints and issues have been uh, with us for the last two years since the beginning um, of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it seems that earlier this year, the Russia-Ukraine crisis seems to have exacerbated um, all of that. When I look at something like Russia and Ukraine, um, when it comes specifically to the automotive sector, is it a direct um, I guess, is it a direct issue where we can say that there are certain parts or certain materials that are meant to be coming out of one of these two countries, um, as we've seen with uh, oil, for example, or or is the impact uh, to the automotive sector one of those second-order type of consequences that we're dealing with? There is a direct impact if you consider that Ukraine is the world's biggest exporter of neon gas, which is a crucial component in semiconductor microchips. Now, a lot of people will know that there's a global shortage of microchips at the moment, which is causing uh, big problems for the global motor industry. It's been estimated that last year, the industry had to scrap production of over 7 million vehicles because they didn't have enough uh, semiconductor microchips. So although motor companies have tried to source their neon gas from elsewhere, uh, it's not been easy to do. So there, so the, the Ukraine conflict will certainly have a continuing impact there. Ukraine is also a, an important provider of um, other components into the, into the automotive value chain. For example, wiring harnesses, VW, Volkswagen, and BMW are major customers of, uh, of the Ukrainian wiring harnesses uh, industry. International, I mean, interestingly, the biggest producer there, which is a German company called Leone, is almost back up to full production because its workers insisted on going back to work despite bomb attacks. So what they've done is at the factories, they've set up bomb shelters on the fringes. So when the bombs come, the workers go into the shelters, then come straight back up to the, uh, the production line afterwards. So those have been the two biggest impacts, wiring harnesses and neon. There are other things which are made there. Bosch makes starter motors. Um, but the, the motor industry generally tends to try and source from multiple countries from multiple suppliers so it's overcoming it but there are there will always be issues as long as this war is going on no most certainly and i think you know the more that we get into all of these different crises that we're dealing with right now the more um when we said at the beginning of the covid 19 pandemic that we're living through um unprecedented times and crazy times i think some of these examples that we're giving right now are sort of 
um, I, I guess, uh, emblematic of the of the times that we're living in to say that, you know, you build, you know, when, you know, in modern, uh, you know, in modern day society, did we expect um, that we would be building bomb shelters next to um, next to factories, you know, that people will come as soon as the bombing is over, you can, you know, go back uh, to producing what you're producing because uh, the economy needs to tick. And it reminds me of what's going on uh, in certain parts of China reportedly um, that uh, because of the rising COVID-19 cases, uh, they've been been uh, getting people to actually come in and uh, encouraging people to sleep at work. So factories have sort of uh, built uh, dormitories and the like. So it's it's uh, it's quite a crazy time um, that we're living in. Yeah. So may, may I just come in with something else there? Which I mean, if everyone looks at the the problems with Ukraine and what is coming out of there, but also, of course, obviously with sanctions on Russia. That is having an impact on some some important components as well. Russia is a is a big supplier to the motor industry of palladium and nickel, uh, which are used for electric vehicle batteries and emission controls. And because of the sanctions, it's very difficult to get some of these supplies out of Russia at the moment. So some motor companies will also have shortages of those. We'll have to try and find them elsewhere. And then this is creating an, an interesting dynamic because China is now the biggest market in the world for electric vehicles, and it's the major manufacturer of electric vehicles. And there is a possibility, or in fact, a probable likelihood, that it is going to buy palladium and nickel on the cheap from Russia because Russia can't sell it elsewhere. There's a, a good chance China may buy it on the cheap, and that will enable it to push more of its electric vehicles into other markets around the world. That is quite a that is quite an interesting development and probably one of those things um that a, a certain countries would not have thought about in terms of maybe not thought about but as a consequence you don't really expect um you know something like that. I'm thinking about countries like the US that have taken what one would call a strong stance um you know against or maybe not against, but at least trying to make sure that they beat China uh, when it comes to some of these uh, productive industries, um, whether it's semiconductors and trying to bring back some of that manufacturing to their shores or um, some of this uh, battery production that we're talking about, electric vehicles and the like. And to see something like this, you're trying to punish one country, but it ends up um, being one of those things that could likely benefit uh, one of the, your biggest economic rivals. Yeah, very interesting uh, dynamic. And when it comes to, and maybe I think that can help us to maybe zoom out a little bit uh, to say that we've looked at the what's going on in the sector. We've looked at um, the state of the sector internationally and locally as a as a as a as a country. And right, we're now looking specifically at South Africa uh, because we, you know we did note that the National Association of Automobile uh, Manufacturers of SA has asked for a review of the industry's master plan uh, when it comes to manufacturing in the country. Where, what, what does that actually mean, right? Um, what is this master plan about? And is there any flexibility uh, that South Africa actually has, any wiggle room? Or are we sort of um, at the, what can I say, at the mercy of some of these geopolitical factors that are out of our control? Look, there, there is always wiggle room. Um, there, there is always room for negotiation. 
if we're looking at the master plan, the South African Automotive Master Plan, it started in July last year and it runs through to 2035. The theory is that we should grow our local vehicle production from 600,000 over that period to 1.4 million. We should double our uh, employment at vehicle and components manufacturers from 120,000 to 240,000. That local content value in South African made vehicles should rise from an average 40% to 60%. And that most of that components growth should be taken up by black owned businesses. At the moment, it's almost exclusively white. A lot of uh, multinationals are in the market as well. And so they want at least 25% of that supply base ultimately to be black owned. The problem with this is that all those targets or all, all those initial baselines, so the 600,000 uh, vehicles and the 120,000 employees, that was the case in 2018. Since then, uh, vehicle production here has gone down very sharply uh, because of COVID. We are way behind where we were three, four years ago. So as NAMSA has said, we've lost three years, possibly four years of potential growth. So what they're talking about is perhaps the government could say, well, let's either put those targets out by a couple of years or bring those targets down by a little bit by 2035. Because the theory is that by 2035, we want to have 1% of global vehicle production in South Africa, rather than the 0.6 we're up against at the moment. We're only the 21st largest vehicle manufacturer in the world. So we're small fry globally. So yes, they've spoken to government about that. Just to confuse things a little, um, They've also spoken to government about bringing electric vehicles into the equation, because at the moment we build here almost exclusively vehicles powered by internal combustion engines. The rest of the world is going into electric vehicles. So it's another complication in the, in the long-term uh, motor industry strategy for this country. It certainly sounds like it, and especially when one thinks about all of the different factors like you said um that this is a plan that was probably made that was made um using data uh, during what can be considered to be a completely uh, different set of circumstances and time perhaps david you could talk to us about the complexity that comes from the fact that all the manufacturers um that uh, we've been talking about and mentioning through this discussion uh the likes of toyota vw mercedes benz bmw etc are all international players right because as much as you're coming up with the um with the master plan for the country um, the the owners of uh, the productive capacity themselves are sitting either in Asia or in Europe. Yeah, look, you're, you're, you're quite right. We have seven major vehicle manufacturers here and a number of smaller players. Um, those seven are all wholly owned from overseas and their South African operations have to fit into their global supply chains. Now, they do like South Africa, we are a, a relatively 
uh, budget-conscious manufacturing base. We also have uh, very nice customs deals with the United States, European Union, and, and, and other trading blocks around the world. So we're, we're a good place to manufacture. Um, but yes, we do have to remember that decisions on investments are not made here. But, you know, I said a moment ago, they like us, if, if they didn't like us, Ford would not have invested a billion US dollars into South Africa last year to build the new Ford Ranger. So I think it's something like 60, 70% of the Ford Ranger that is built here is exported to Europe because of all those trade deals. Um, 90 to 95% of BMWs and Mercedes-Benz cars built in this country are exported. In total, two or almost two thirds of cars built in South Africa are exported. So we're a very, very good vehicle export base. And increasingly, we're a very good um, components export base. We're one of the biggest exporters in the world of catalytic converters, which reduce the emissions from uh, internal combustion engines. So yes, they like us, but we do have to remember, as you alluded to just now, that uh, you know, in, in theory, they could take away their investment at any time if we don't uh, match up to what they need. But history suggests, because of our um, motor industry policy of the last 12, 13 years, that they like what we're doing. Uh, at least that's uh, a bit of good news <laughs> because of, uh, I guess, the tone um, with so much negativity. At least there is um, a base of international players that are looking, you know, favorably on South Africa. And at least um, that's one less thing that people, you know, could worry about. Uh, but David, because I have you here. I'd maybe want to switch a little bit, uh, you know, in this discussion uh, to maybe talk a little bit about what's going on in the consumer market, because uh, on the manufacturing side, I think we've uh, we've definitely uh, covered a wide gamut of what's going on there. And maybe briefly, as we're ending off, maybe getting into uh, the consumer market, it's one of those discussions that um, we've been having for quite some time um, on the platform, just uh, the, ev uh, the evolving uh, market dynamics right now. Um, what do you make of uh, the second? Uh, can I call it? I was about to say second hand, uh, but uh, but the pre <laughs> but the pre-owned uh, vehicle market in South Africa is one of those things that we've been following uh, to say that you know over time there's been this boom in the pre-owned sector because people didn't have the type of incomes. Um, ordinary people didn't have the types of incomes to be um, affording, um, whether it's through financing or cash, um, affording brand new vehicles. Uh, but, you know, the secondhand market had seen uh, that boom. Is that boom still with us um, at the moment or have any of those dynamics um, shifted on the consumer side? No, it's, it's still going strong. Um, the used market is, in fact, the used market could be even better if there were available vehicles for sale. Um, but because of COVID and, and the way that the market collapsed in 2020, it picked up last year, but still very small. We're picking up again this year. But because, of, um, because the market was so small and because sales of new vehicles um, collapsed so badly, it means that there are fewer good used vehicles on the market. 
You also had that dynamic that the car rental industry stopped buying uh, vehicles or almost completely stopped buying vehicles at one stage because, of course, there were no tourists. Everyone was doing business via Zoom, so no one was traveling. So there, there was no demand for rental vehicles. So that also meant that the uh, used car rental vehicles, uh, which are the, the big draw for a lot of used, used buyers, um, they weren't available on the market. And we still got a shortage. It's picking up. But again, remember, we've got uh, shortages of some vehicles still because of the, uh, the supply chain problems around the world, whether it's um, microchips or what else. So there is a shortage of good stock in the used car industry. Um, that will continue for a while. But having said that, if we look at the way the used, sorry, the, the new vehicle market is going, it's picking up quite strongly. I mean, it, as I said earlier, we're likely to be back to at or around pre-COVID levels this year. Um, and I think that over the next three to four years, we're probably going to see the new vehicle market taking back some of the share that it's lost to to used vehicles. I, li I, li I like that. And at least at least it's pointing to the fact that there is that recovery. And if that's an indicator that one can, you know, show at least about the recovery in consumer pockets, that's, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, good news from that point of view and also um, pickups from some of the other um, anchor um, anchor sectors such as you know rental uh, coming back online that would really be great um, as we end off uh, David perhaps on the last point to bring everything together this is something that I've always been uh, curious about and uh, I think it uh, it brings in the aspect of manufacturing that we were talking about earlier on and uh, the export versus import debate and South Africa's place in the global market Usually, South Africa, um, when new certain new cars come out, you see them very quickly um, on South African roads. If a new C-Class from Mercedes-Benz comes out, a new 3 Series from BMW, you usually see those coming out very quickly um, in South Africa. But uh, I wanted to maybe understand as a market, right, because I'm sure that um, there is uh, this priority when it comes to um, launching certain vehicles in certain markets. Um, how does South Africa do from that point of view? Is South Africa because it's a it's a country on the tip of on the southern tip of South of Africa? Is it a priority market, or you know, do we get certain vehicles maybe later on in life? <laughs> that's a, that, that's a very interesting question because. We are seen as a very important market. A few years ago, um, Mercedes-Benz and BMW had the biggest market share in South Africa of any market in the world um, because we are spoiled here. We, we love our cars. And, of course, with the Internet and all the new forms of communication, we know what's there, so we, so we demand it. South Africa is, in fact, the most competitive market, car market in the world. If you look at the size of the vehicle market and the number of vehicles which are available here, I mean, we've got dozens of brands and we've got thousands of car models available here. Uh, we, are, we are genuinely spoiled for choice. So the, the, the only times we don't get the very, very latest vehicles here 
are electric vehicles, which are coming in very, very slowly. And, th and th that's a, another discussion completely. So electric vehicles are coming in very slowly. And the other th slow thing we've seen in the last few years is some of the very highest tech internal combustion engines coming in because the fuel quality in South Africa is still so poor that the, the, the modern engines, the very top engines, will not function on the fuel here. But in general terms, if you see something overseas, you can be pretty damn sure it's going to be in South Africa very quickly afterwards. Pretty sure that uh, something that you see overseas will be in South Africa. Um, you can be almost guaranteed of that. That was us with the David Furlonger, who is a financial journalist with the Financial Mail, specializing in uh, South Africa's automotive sector, giving us some insight into uh, manufacturing. That's what we spent uh, the majority of today's discussion on, uh, some of the dynamics that are affecting the local market and the fact that um, there, ha there have been a lot of issues when it comes to stock of certain vehicles, but also at the same time stocks um, of uh, vehicle components that are feeding um, into the local manufacturing sector and then getting into how the current um, Ukraine-Russia crisis has, uh, is feeding into all of that because uh, there are a number of different components um, and uh, such as uh, uh, such as uh, I think he said uh, the neon gas, uh, which is used in semiconductors and uh, and the like, uh, coming out of Ukraine, but also at the same time, um, you have uh, some of the uh, some of the demand factors, uh, you know, from uh, from on the Russian side, you know, to say that uh, things like palladium um, that would normally feed into the sector uh, from that country um, have been, you know. It's been it's been a bit tough uh, trying to substitute some of those things, but at least globally, uh, there's usually buying from different sources, so the sector is uh, finding its way around some of those issues. But um, those are uh, constraints and headwinds, nonetheless, uh, that the sector has had to deal with. And then just talking about the different um, dynamics uh, that are affecting uh, ownership in the sector, but um, how policies um, seem to be. Um, keeping the international manufacturers happy and they seem to be quite happy with the local market and um, are investing uh, such as Ford with a billion dollars last year. We ended off just talking about uh, what's going on in the consumer market, um, just how those dynamics between uh, new versus used vehicles are looking like at the moment. So David, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. This, this is Take. Really great discussion there with uh, David just around what's going on in the automotive sector, specifically um, around manufacturing. And I really enjoyed just um, listening to what's going on. Uh, but more importantly, the type of uh, dynamics that are at play um, in the sector right now. It is quite an interesting situation where you have this big import component for the cars that are being consumed. But at the same time, there's a lot of cars that are being manufactured lo 
locally that um, are being consumed internationally you know that's an interesting dynamic and then at the same time what's going on in terms of the used versus new market and how that feeds into uh, the type of uh, demand and how that demand is being fed you know in South Africa because now you have to think about you know from a manufacturing point of view now what priority do you give to you know South Africa so at least it's great to hear uh, that South Africa is seen as a favored market uh, from that point of view because um, vehicles are a really big thing in South Africa and if one really thinks about uh, the type of traffic that we see on the roads of Cape Town um, on the roads of Pretoria Johannesburg you really do see and hear um, the fact that there are so many vehicles um, on the road and that then lends itself um, to a really strong um, strong market and to hear the fact that uh, this is probably uh, the most competitive market for cars uh, that was also something that I personally didn't know but it makes a lot of sense when you think about the mix and the diversity because in the some of the markets you do have a concentration of certain type uh, certain types of vehicles if one thinks about uh, the United States um, the European cars you know are quite popular but you see a large proliferation of local brands whether it's Ford uh, General Motors Dodge Chevrolet all of those local uh, manufacturers tend to be uh, what people what tend what people buy in those countries and in Europe same can be said about places like Germany where you have the likes of VW, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, BMW being the dominant cars that you see on the road because those are all German manufacturers. So when you see a country like South Africa that is doing manufacturing on behalf of all of those different brands you see that mix um, of your vehicles coming from different parts of the world the u.s um, asia and europe as well that does feed into you know quite a diverse market and it sort of then shows that uh, the South African consumer is demanding a diverse um, set of vehicles and that's uh, great for us and then lastly the electric vehicle debate is probably one of those things we need to spend a little bit more time um, talking about to say that uh, incentives really need to come to the table. A lot of people complain about the fact that uh, locally um, we aren't manufacturing, we aren't consuming a lot of electric vehicles because they're still seen as being very expensive uh, because the, the tax incentives when it comes to that um, haven't really you know come through as much as they have so all of these proposals are on the table to say that government should make um, those prices a little bit lower put in tax incentives because a lot of the cars do need to be imported and uh, just to see what happens build out the charging network and then we can see what happens if a lot of this manufacturing is to come in it will require a lot of investment because you do need to either build new plants or to convert existing capacity so that it can cater to what's going on in the electric market but we wait to see what uh, goes on and we look forward to having even more discussions about what's going on in automotive And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Pocket Cast or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.